welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Our panel today is our usual crew. We've got Adam. Hey guys, what's going on? I'm on Twitter at Adam Barnhart. And Rhiannon. You can find me on Twitter as Brooklyn Wallace at Shata Patron. And I'm Caleb. You can find me at Caleb A. Borchers. Uh, we also want to encourage you guys to subscribe to us on YouTube at watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. You can also check out the second podcast in the Marvel News Desk family, AP Marvel. Uh, this week, the episode uh, is going to discuss Cloak and Dagger and how they felt about season one of that show. Uh, also, he said not to talk to you about it, but Adam's got a cool new podcast with his dad. And you should check it out. So uh, let's uh, let's keep going to our uh, let's go to the news. Uh, let's start out with Spider-Man Far From Home. It looks like that Nick Fury and Maria Hill are going to be in this movie for sure as S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. That has now been confirmed. Um, Rhiannon, are you excited to see Nick Fury back in the saddle after being gone for some time? I don't care. I mean, we just saw him. We just saw him at the end of Infinity War. And I've been assuming we'll see him in Captain Marvel. So this was just a big old bucket of meh for me. Pretty much the same. Obviously, we have no idea what's going to happen in Avengers 4 or what Far From Home is going to entail. Um, I do wonder, since both the, both Fury and Hill are back, if we're going to get like S.H.I.E.L.D. reincarnated somehow. But obviously, they're still working together like we saw in the Infinity War post credit scene. Um, so yeah, I'll just be kind of curious to see what uh, what the roles are going to be in Far From Home. I mean, Samuel Jackson's been been filming for a while, hasn't he? I mean, he's at least been in London for several weeks. Um, so it seems like it's much more than just a post-credits cameo, perhaps? Yeah, and they announced it kind of more like a cast announcement, not like a cameo yeah. announcement. I mean, I, first of all, I find hilarious the way the internet's like, Whoa, how is this going to happen? They've been dusted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So is Spider-Man, guys. Like, come on. <laughs> exactly. Like, you're kind of burying the lead if you're like, how does Nick Fury show up? Um, I thought that was kind of silly. I'm kind of excited. This is my uh, far-fetched hope here. What, uh, what Spider-Man character is most deeply connected to S.H.I.E.L.D. in the comic books, at least in recent years? Oh, that's a good question. Isn't it Norman? It's not Norman, is it? He has his own. No. I have no idea. You know, I'm... there's a character in the Spideyverse whose dad works for Shield. Pfft. No idea, man. Miles Morales. Really? Yes. I did not know. I that. think it would be brilliant if they're adding in Fury and Maria Hill, so that we can also be introduced to Agent Morales. And uh, it starts to become the way by which we get around to like I could totally see where Fury maybe takes a sample of of miles or of miles of Peter's blood or something to like try to get a, a sense of what happened. Maybe they can do a little flashback origin that way. And next thing you know, that ends up getting slipped into Agent Morales's bag and goes home with him to go see Miles. We've kind of thought that it was going to be the Prowler and Donald Glover. That is how we got there. But I think they could totally use the S.H.I.E.L.D. connection to get us to Miles as well. Okay, how many just chance run-ins are we going to get before we get Miles, though? So then 
you know, Peter just happens to run into Miles' uncle, and then he happens to run into Miles' dad. Unless they make some sort... I mean, they could spin it so... I almost call him Childish Gambino. So Donald Glover uh, was some sort of undercover agent or something, I suppose. We could just make it so that Spider-Man 3 is Craven's last hunt, and Spider-Man dies, and Miles has got to take over for him. These are all wild <laughs> speculations that I am coming out with, but do not. I, I feel yeah. like they've got to build to Miles. And if this Into the Spider-Verse film is successful, I think people are going to be asking for live-action Miles a, li- a lot quicker than we think. So Right. This is the uh, podcast episode where we just spew our most wild theories in hopes these uh, sites pick them up and run with uh, rumored articles, you know? Yes, that's right. I have a source known as <laughs> the internet. My own brain. Maybe I'll edit that to be dishonest to see how many idiots pick it up. <laughs> uh, that would be fun if our main topic one week is let's come up with as many stupid theories as possible to try to actually get out onto like the the main sites as possible. Yes. And um, you know they just don't listen to the concept of the show. They just hear it and they fast forward and. Anyway, we we love you, comic book blog industry. We, we do. Something like that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, this was real news because it came directly from the mouth of Bob Iger. We found out a little bit more about the Disney streaming service. Um, we found out that uh, previously it had been reported that the contract for Disney films went through 2019. I had always assumed that meant through December of 2019, but apparently it means it ends at the beginning of 2019. So Ant-Man and the Wasp will be the last Marvel film that will hit Netflix. Captain Marvel will be available to come out first on that streaming service. Uh, Also, the streaming service appears like it won't come until late 2019. I feel like they need to get the nerds running a little faster on their hamster wheels. There's no reason we can't get this quicker. Um, but the other big news to me that wasn't really Marvel news, the John Favreau Star Wars series that's coming out is going to have a production of $10 million an episode for Holy that show. crap. Yeah. Now that's, that's, now we have not heard that Marvel will get that, but you would hope if that kind of money is getting chucked around and they do a live action Marvel show that maybe instead of the, what did we figure it out? It was like. $800,000 an episode they get for Daredevil or whatever. I think it came down to like 2 million for, for the initial the the initial seasons. Right. Right. I mean, $10 million gets you a dragon. That's that's dragon kind of money, right? Well, it is Game yeah. of Thrones Game of Thrones right. money. I'm pretty sure Game of Thrones films for about 10 million an episode, yeah. so. That's insane. It makes me hopeful though. I mean, I think that sounds awesome the opportunity to maybe have a marvel show even if they did half of that a marvel show that was filmed at five million an episode instead of two would be fantastic yeah i mean there's no re that if they're willing to fork over that kind of money i mean there's virtually nothing they can't do obviously if they're doing a, a star wars thing they're not going to make some sort of i would hope they don't make like a street level grounded you know type of star wars series but yeah that's did you never hear about the coruscant show they almost made for network no, I'm tv not a big star wars person they have the planet coruscant yeah. it's like the like big new york city planet and it was going to be the seedy underbelly Ugh. of coruscant with like like robocops and 
and um, bounty hunters and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, the reason you watch Star Wars is the like for the ginormous space explosions, right? I mean, that's why I watch Star Wars. My lightsabers. Are we talking? Do you have anything else about that call on your list? I, I don't think I do. Um, okay. What What are you uh, What are you thinking? One of the the questions posed um, came in terms of pricing, and Iger, Iger kind of went into this, I don't want to call it a tangent, but he started explaining that to start off with, at least, they're going to be, he didn't say very light, but he said, obviously, they're going to have much less content than Netflix or Hulu to begin with. So he did hint that the price would reflect that. So, I mean, I checked out, I haven't been an ESPN plus subscriber, but that's only four ninety nine a month. Yeah. I'm, I'm on ESPN plus. So yeah. So maybe Disney direct launches at four ninety nine a month. That would be crazy. I mean, you can't say no to that price. Oh, for sure. I would not blink at four ninety nine a month. There's somebody in Disney marketing that's like, we have been hitting ourselves over the head trying to convince cable providers to take like freeform for 38 cents a month. And now we've created something that's four ninety nine a month. And like, you can't say no to that. Why do we do this years ago? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. What if they did? What if like, I mean, because there's always these cable. I, I assume tonight we're just going to be all over the place, but there's always these cable battles where like the local ABC channel, you know, like they're fighting to get the local ABC channel on the local cable company. What if ABC was just like, whatever, we don't care. Like people will pay us five nine four ninety nine a month. We don't care. I mean, CBS has kind of already done this with their CBS um this is what stops my parents from getting streaming as they like watching those CSI shows that are all the same on CBS mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. CBS has the gall to charge. What is it? Four ninety nine, seven ninety nine a month to get CBS show. Like they won't play. They don't play with Hulu. Yeah. Get people to pay five bucks a month to be able to watch CSI San Antonio every week. You know, like does it, does it still have commercials though? I don't watch it. I don't know. <laughs> Because, like, when we watch Cloak and Dagger on Hulu, it has commercials. And my parents, like, they're ready to cut the cord, but then they found out Hulu had commercials. And that that was the line for them. We were on vacation, and we were watching a movie on FX. Uh, it was, like, during the day, it was, like, Rio or something, a cartoon with my kids. A commercial comes on, and my three-year-old goes, Dad, why'd they stop the show? <laughs> and I was like... It's a commercial. She's like, I, but why did they stop our show? Why are they going to turn it back on? And I was like, yes, this is a commercial. They oh my god! And they show you a commercial. She has no idea what a commercial is. Like, oh my gosh! <laughs> so, all right, <laughs> keep on moving. I'm I'm already loving this episode. This will be a weird one. Um, so ABC did their like TCA upfront kind of stuff. I think it was. And um, the president of ABC said she had a couple Marvel projects that she was working on and quote, Jeff Loeb would not let her talk about one of them. Now I find it weird that the president of ABC is taking marching orders from Jeff Loeb, but also we talked about this last week. 
ABC always has unnamed shows that are supposedly in the works. Does this excite you, or does this just feel like the same old, same old that we've heard forever from ABC? Same old, same old. On Twitter last night, I almost compared ABC and Marvel shows to Warner Brothers announcing whatever the hell they wanted to with their movies. There's always a series in development at ABC. It's been Most Wanted, then it's been Damage Control, then it's been John Ridley's project, then it's been uh, Jessica Jones' knockoff that was maybe She-Hulk or whatever, you know? And now it's something. It's she. She. The quote almost read that there was. I mean, at least I interpreted it as there were multiple shows in development. And of course, we might never know what that means. You know, the most realistic thing we've gotten so far was that they actually filmed a pilot for Most Wanted, but they didn't pick it up. But outside of that, it seems like every six months we'll get one of these reports that they're developing something. And then we come out with, oh, 10 shows that could be in development at ABC. And it's the same stuff. It's Damage Control and it's John Ridley's Miss Marvel and it's She-Hulk and, you know. August. So we are definitely going into a fall season with no Marvel on ABC. No TV shows at all except for on Netflix. And, And for the... Could they be looking at a mid-season show? Is there any chance ABC has a Marvel show that comes out in January that we haven't heard about yet? I think the only way it happens is if it's New Warriors. I don't think they can get something spooled up fast enough. I mean, I don't know how TV goes. I just think filming a pilot and getting a writer's room, I think it would be hard to get anything else out, but New Warriors would already have a lot of stuff in place. So, Yeah. Unless they've been filming something and we just don't know about it because Jeff Loeb won't let us know. Like that Namor show. Do you remember that one in Humans? Oh my god! We're filming in Hawaii yeah. and we're like, yeah. ABC's going to do a Namor show. That was the dumbest thing we ever talked yeah. about. Yes. Yes. I do find it interesting. If you look at ABC, ABC has never done anything that is not an offshoot of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They did Agent Carter, which, you know, was had all sort of the S.H.I.E.L.D. roots to it. And then Inhumans, I mean, it, it seemed pretty clear that the Inhuman storylines on S.H.I.E.L.D. were supposed to cross over with the Inhuman storylines in Inhumans. And then it just didn't eventuate because the show was terrible. But um, I don't feel like ABC and then Most Wanted was supposed to be a spinoff. It seems like ABC's a little obsessed with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like... I don't know if they would have the guts to try something totally unrelated to S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, on their lineup. S.H.I.E.L.D., I mean, those relations were really far. I mean, Inhumans is very, very loosely related to S.H.I.E.L.D. So if you were doing a Jessica Drew series or something and had Phil Coulson pop up in the first episode or something or had, you know... You know, any of your S.H.I.E.L.D. agents pop up in that first episode and never seen again, they could pop up in any universe. Netflix. I mean, so I, I mean, I watch all of the Arrowverse shows and Black Lightning. And so I, I guess I'm the selfish part of me doesn't understand why ABC or Marvel, you know, as a whole can't do something like that. 
you know, obviously the CW gets probably far less ratings, less ratings, but for the most part, the, the shows are watchable. They're certainly more watchable than say a Inhumans or Iron Fist, you know, um, I, I guess I just don't know why, what the difference is. Why does the CW make it work and why can't ABC make it work? I think this is the best argument for you not wanting it to be all connected, right? Because yeah. DC signed off early on. That's a separate universe. That's its own alternative, you know, reality. And so you want the Flash? Cool, take him. You want to do a Supergirl show that has your own version of Superman that is like a scrawny guy that, you know, looks like a pomade commercial? Sure, whatever. Do your version of it. You know, like, it doesn't bother them that there's a conflict with their Superman and Henry Cavill Superman. Whereas Marvel has always felt like it has to be connected. So they, any character that ABC wants to mess with, they've got to get Papa Feige to sign off on. And that's why you end up with Deathlock and Robbie Reyes Ghost Rider, you know? Yeah, but I mean, there's there's got to be a plethora of characters already signed off that they could spin out. Like New Warriors. New Warriors could easily be the... Uh, what do you want to call it? the Marvel version of Legends of Tomorrow? You know, Legends of Tomorrow always has a rotating cast of characters, and essentially they're they kind of use it as a, a testing ground of sorts for other shows. You know, I mean that's where Batwoman's gonna get her start. Um, Constantine's coming back, so I, I don't know. I'm just being selfish with this stuff. Plus, you well, you did bring up a good point that I was going to talk about, but I forgot. Oh, I love how uh, the CW draws the line at Batman. <laughs> like the CW president this week says, you'll never see Batman on TV. But they have Superman? I don't know. Batman's... The- they did the same thing with Gotham. They're like, you can have a guy that laughs maniacally and has a purple and green setup and white makeup and the face but if you call him the joker that is too far you know (laughs) yeah yeah so it's just batman and a couple batman villains but whatever all right speaking of agents of shield and all that kind of stuff uh in those same discussions there was a talk about uh, agents of shield moving into the summertime and basically what what the president of bc said was we move that to a time where we don't care about ratings. We know that it's a show that doesn't rate well, but then does a great job in L plus threes and L plus sevens and all that kind of stuff. So we just felt like we could give the show more longevity if we pushed it to the summer. Um, guys, do you have any reactions to that? Is that interesting at all to you? Does that make you feel like maybe we've got multiple seasons of this still to go? I mean, do they have something big? They're moving into that Friday 10 o'clock or Friday 9 o'clock time slot. I thought that was about as dead as ratings get. I mean, I feel like there's all kinds of places. I mean, this could have been their point, their time to like just say, we're going to put it on the air Saturday mornings at 4 a.m. and see if anybody watches. There has to be other timing issues for them putting it off until next summer. Yeah, especially with doing a uh, shorter season. I mean, we also found out this week that there will be another network show before S.H.I.E.L.D. That's probably on Caleb's news list, though. Uh, Yeah. 
if you want to know, Rhiannon, uh, this fall, ABC lines up fresh off the boat, speechless, child support, and 2020 on Friday night. Uh, I've heard of one of those shows. <laughs> Exhilarating. I thought Fresh Off the Boat was pretty big. I thought Shadowhunters was pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we subtly kick that show every chance that we can. There are a lot of angry 15-year-old girls with you, Adam. I mean, they're going to come after you with, like, the, ponytail. They're the Misty Knight fans that yelled at Oh, my gosh. Too, so cool. Misty Knight oh, fans. Don't go there. They seemed angry. Very. They still are. They tweeted me this morning. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> let's chill out. Come on. This discussion's done with. It is weird, the fandoms you don't want to cross, man. I, I don't know. And the, we, the interesting thing with me about S.H.I.E.L.D., we've had this conversation. We used to have it more at MC Exchange. When we made the move, I feel like we shed some of these complainers. We had these people that chronically were like, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. does just fine in the ratings. You guys are just really negative. I don't know what your problem is. Um, first of all, we had that news a year ago that ABC wanted to can it and Marvel wouldn't yeah. let them. And then now we have this where you have the president of ABC saying – these ratings are not good enough for a network TV show, but we believe in it creatively and we wanted to put it at a spot where um, it will do okay in the, you know, in Hulu and stuff. And people are like, well, those are ratings too. Clearly she's talking about them as not the same thing. Okay. Right. Like just read the, the, the words and this is how ABC feels about the show. But thank, you know, we like the show. We like to watch it. And thankfully ABC has said, you know what? We'll put it on the summer we won't worry about the ratings because we're not selling as much ad dollars and we don't get as much pressure from advertisers about our ratings in that part of the year. And then we'll do really well on streaming and it'll continue to push sort of our model of going online and doing more OTT stuff. And if it continues to do well, then ABC can yank it off of everything except for Disney direct. And if you want to watch agents of shield seasons one through six online, you've got to pay four ninety nine a month. And I think that's a perfectly fine model to do this stuff. I, I think you've mentioned it before, though, but it does. It, it's it, it increasingly seems like they're keeping it alive just so they can make a smooth transition to Disney Direct or whatever they're calling the service. I mean, if the show can survive a Friday night 10 p.m. time slot, and if it can survive survive air quotation marks a, a summer night time slot, you know that. Obviously, ABC's wanted to cancel it before, but the boss of the boss says no. So, I mean, it, if they're getting $10 million an episode, obviously that's probably an isolated uh, situation. But if they're willing to shell out decent money for, for the shows, I mean, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s kind of the... It's not the perfect show, but it's a really good foundation to build stuff off of. Yeah, I think it's the kind of audience we've seen CBS is building a lot of their streaming stuff off the of Star Trek, right? Because that's a particular audience that'll pay extra to get their stuff. And I think the S.H.I.E.L.D. audience is probably a lot like that. So, All right. Uh, I, you were uh, starting to go there, Adam, and I... Did I miss it in my notes? No, here it is. Uh, Cloak and Dagger put out a thing this week on their social media suggesting season two will come in the spring of 2019. Which brings us back to our favorite feature here on Marvel News Desk. What mount months count as what seasons? <laughs> so, 
uh, spring 2019, I would think, means like March or April, right? You guys I think so. with yeah. me on that? I mean, that, that's wild, yes. But like you said before, you'd previously said, well, and then Cloak and Dagger was supposed to be winter 2018. Um, but the, there, there was scheduling stuff. You know, New Warriors was also planned and things of that nature. So, I mean, we have no reason to believe it wouldn't be spring 2019. So, I mean, that that would make... That would make that a kind of a mid-season show, right? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if Cable even thinks in seasons anymore. I don't know. I think they do, but I, at least spring to me is a little more definitive. Like winter, you run into the problem of are they calling January winter or are they calling December winter? Um, you know, so if they said like winter 2019, we wouldn't know. Uh, but spring, at least we know it'll be sometime in the first third of the year. So, yeah, March, April. And they keep pounding out that uh, mayhem thing. Season two's going to be mayhem. And also, the poster is apparently sponsored by Monster Energy Drinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does look like that, doesn't it? I was like, did I miss that? What, what clever tie-in. I can't. It's just yeah, like the green yeah. claw marks on everything. <laughs> hey, it's not black and white cookies anymore. Out with the black and white cookies, <laughs> in with the monster <laughs> energy drinks. There's some 60-year-old marketing executive free like, the kids drink these all the time, right? Let's just put them on the poster. In a few weeks, they're going to change the slogan to Cloak and Dagger will give you wings. <laughs> I do feel like this shows that Freeform has a lot of confidence in the show. Like the way I'm just the feeling I get out of this is we cannot rush this out fast enough. Oh, you know, absolutely. like we cannot wait to get that ratings boost again. Like let's hit that as fast as possible. Uh, I think that they've been very happy with the reception of the show. Absolutely. We got a random, I mean, I know it's not like mail, mailbag time, but like we got a random tweet this week that was like, Whoa. Marvel News Desk was right. Cloak and Dagger is good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Every now and then, we are right. Since we are right about that, we'll be wrong for the next six months. So, Well, I mean, Iron Fist is coming up next. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we promised a good one tonight, guys. <laughs> this is the best one yet. Highest ratings. We're, we're after those plus seven ratings, though, right? That's what matters. I don't know. We've yet to talk to anybody that really wants to give us money for advertising yet. So if you're willing to give us money to, to do ads, just you tell us what metric you want and we'll, we'll figure it out. So Deadpool, uh, the head of FX was asked about the Deadpool animated series that was pulled that Donald Glover was working on. And he basically completely said that was Marvel's choice and Marvel can make it any day they want. People asked if the Fox deal messed with it. And he said, no, Deadpool animation was always in, in Loeb and, Je and Marvel's um, kind of, toolbox they were always allowed to do it i think they're saving it for the future um do you guys think that we'll see that come out like is it possible that that's a streaming play because we're also hearing that there's not going to be any r-rated movies mm, right. on this disney direct service i mean it, it doesn't seem like that would be the, the place to put no. it does it? Maybe, and that was another thing in the uh earnings call yesterday Iger did stress that Disney Direct is strictly family type stuff. 
Um, but he also did bring up he he brought up Hulu a lot because now I shouldn't say now, but soon they will own the vast majority of Hulu. So maybe it is a play on there. It does confirm. I mean, we had heard I had heard from someone at FX or someone that knows someone at FX. This is where the the blog posts are going to come in. But it does conf- sources say yeah no, but it does <laughs> confirm what what I had heard about that it was Marvel's fault. You know, there's kind of that weird. He said, she said thing at the, you know, it was kind of like the, the two entities were pointing fingers at each other. Um, but I'm not sure. I, I, for the life of me, I can't think of a reason why they wouldn't want a Deadpool show on FX. Especially if the if the if it was a, an adult show and Disney Direct is going to be strictly family. So maybe they take it to Hulu, but I that, I mean, at least to me that doesn't make much sense to, I mean I would probably rather have it on FX you know make a block with it's always sunny and uh, Archer you know alright conspiracy theory time Disney knew that they were going to need regulatory approval on the Fox deal and so they said let's wait at least six months before we put a show on TV where we're allowing Donald Glover to directly attack the president on a weekly basis. Okay. Right? You know, like, no reason to make those folks upset <laughs> this deal through before we make any waves. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I see that. Uh, I can see it. A couple more news things. Um, we found out from that hashtag show that Martine Bancroft, Mar- um, Michael Morbius's love interest is going to appear in the movie. Yay. Uh, <laughs> I don't really... This is a deep enough cop. I don't know who that character is. Right. Uh, in, the cart- in the cartoon, they made Liz Allen his love interest, so I have no idea who this person is. Yeah, I read that article, and I thought Martine, whoever, was like the actress that was cast. So I'm like, I've never heard of her in my life. She's like a French actress that you haven't heard of because she does movies overseas. Do you guys need me to explain it to you? Yes, that would be lovely. Well, um, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to try to BS your way through that. That's too disappointing. I, I know. I know. If I had been paying better attention, but no. What that hashtag show was said was, uh, she's a love interest who is one of his first victims and becomes a vampire. Generally, that's how vampires work. So, okay, there we go. So she is to Michael Morbius as Kristen Stewart is to that other whatever twilight vampire no no she's more that, no, like man. none of that millennial garbage in here <laughs> boo she's like clawed to yeah i could go back to all the vampire series guys i've been binging oh, yeah you just got done binging that i'm not done yet can we get done with the podcast so i can finish when morbius comes out we're gonna let you do your own review we're like on the quality, we'll create a scale. Your favorite vampire Ooh. movie to your least va- vampire movie. I can do movie. that. Where on the scale is yeah. this? Yeah, I'm really, I'm getting excited about more. I mean, I'm getting excited about Marvel vampires. I know nothing about them yet, but. What about Blade? Someone who comes along and kills all the vampires. You probably won't like that then. Not a big fan of vampire killers. No. Gotcha. No. But he is a vampire himself. Half. Have you ever seen those old movies, Rhiannon? The Blade movies with Wesley Snipes? I don't know. If I did, I don't remember them. That doesn't mean I didn't see them. I've actually never seen them. Oh. They were R-rated, and I was in middle school, so... I wasn't even yeah. born yeah, my parents yet. Were not... <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> that is not true. 
All right, one last bit of news. It's not really Marvel news, but I, I, I'm interested in your guys' take. Uh, there's a new Oscar now for best popular film. Oh, that is Marvel news. Which many... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because people are like, oh, Absolutely. it's it's Infinity War or Black yeah. Panthers to take, you know. Uh, if Marvel wins its first Oscar for best popular film, does that cheapen the whole thing to you? Yeah. You're both biting your lips simultaneously. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, I, I like that. Adam and I made the same <laughs> face. Exact <laughs> same face. I, I, the... It's when I first saw this news, I thought to myself, "Hey, this seems like a category that a movie like Suicide Squad could finally win." But I'm like, "Huh? Never mind. Suicide Squad already <laughs> won something." But I, as a whole, I mean, how do you are, are they going to judge popularity on uh, you know domestic box office? Are they going to judge popularity on? Rotten Tomatoes score? Are they going to judge popularity on? That's the thing. I mean, if the Academy decides, the Academy already chooses best picture out of a whole bunch of movies that the vast majority of Americans haven't even seen. So, I mean, what? who's deciding what's popular? Because, I mean, Infinity Wars probably not um, an Academy-type best picture movie. But although they did choose a movie last year with a mermaid sex scene. So maybe they're transitioning into the superhero genre. So I, I don't know. I just think it's kind of uh, I'm not the participation trophy. I'm like not anti-participation trophy by any means, but this just seems for something that's supposed to be such high prestige as, as the Academy. It just seems like it's kind of, uh, I mean, as a diehard Marvel fan, I'm like, wow, that's catered almost directly to Marvel Studios. I mean, that's how I felt. Kind of like the animated Oscar felt like the Pixar Award. It was like, hey, we can't give Pixar <laughs> Oscars for anything else. Let's create a category that they'll win every year. Right. It's like, oh, Marvel can't get any of the actual awards, so let's just create this one. And obviously, Marvel's going to have the top movie at the box office, you know. But... Top movie at the box office has won Best Picture Oscars. Titanic didn't it win Best Picture? If it didn't, it can't. It won it like did. everything else. Like in Titanic so is that record that everybody talks about breaking and everything. Avatar won the crap out of Oscars. Like I, it can be a popular movie and win Oscars. And I just it's really odd to me. Like I understand why you have a drama or a um sorry musical or comedy. You know, okay, these... Have any of the best musical or comedies also won Best Picture? Yeah, Chicago. Chicago did. Really? Yeah, Chicago was Best Picture, and I'm sure it won the Golden Globe for Best Musical. Wow. That movie was not Best Picture. But anyways. (laughs) um, (laughs) Took my grandmother to see that, by the way. Just... Um, okay, so I mean, like, if things can win best comedy or best musical and win best picture, then I- I've seen a lot of people on Twitter today saying, then Black Panther can win them both. I mean, my thing about it, a couple things. First of all, uh, a few years ago, um, Lord of the Rings Return of the King won best picture. And it was a huge stinking deal because it was the first time I think any movie that didn't take place on Earth won the best picture right like never had a movie taking place in space 
or in a mystical land or whatever had ever won. Was that before Avatar? Yes, that was before Avatar. And it was like, it was a big deal because it was like, this movie is a legit good movie. This is not a nerd movie. This is not just a movie that D&D players like, you know, like, this is a movie that legit is good. And it just, I guess they say they're going to come out with a criteria. I'm fascinated to see how they're going to come out with a criteria that's not going to make Best Picture sound like unpopular movie or movie that didn't make any money you know like they're like well this category is for films only for films that made more than 700 million domestic in the box office oh so you're telling us best pictures have to like make no money i'm sure things will be able to go up for both but you know how voters already oscar voters do this where they'll like let a director win because they know that the, it's not going to win best picture but it deserves something. They do the lifetime achievement deal where they give people awards if they've lost a lot of years but they were good where some directors never get awarded for their best work. They just get awarded for the eighth movie they made. I mean, there was all there's all kinds of stuff that goes on like that. I have no doubt the Academy voters will be like, "Oh, well, we can now give Black Panther this one for the blockbuster award." And that's, they should call it that just to connect it with blockbuster video. <laughs> you know, we can give black Panther, the, the video, that award, we can pat ourselves on the back for re rewarding minority filmmakers. And then we can go and give it to another silent movie art house made $10,000 piece of crap. Like we usually do. <laughs> like it, it just, uh, it just it rubs me so the wrong way. I don't know why it just drives me insane. So what Caleb's trying to say is the whole Academy is just one big sham. Oh, don't give me... You want to know what gets me going? <laughs> Do you know how many best pictures tend to win if they're about making movies? These are the most narcissistic people on Earth. If you make a yeah, movie about right? making movies, it'll get nominated for best picture because they're like, oh, they finally captured how important we are to society. Those people's heads are so far up their own rear ends, it is not even funny. Michael T. Ford the third mentioned Moonlight and the and that is fair. It is I was shocked when Moonlight actually beat um La La Land and I was happy. Uh also apparently the people giving the award were shocked that it beat La La Land as well. Yeah. So I mean yeah, even the Academy didn't know Moonlight won. <laughs> oh, that was a terrible situation in all kinds of ways. Alright, so <laughs> that's probably enough of this. Uh, we have no TV shows to review, no trailers this week. So we wanted to give some more details on our, um, summer reading club idea that we have. And so, um, Rhiannon, I guess I'll let you go ahead. Yes. Do we have to define summer? <laughs> In our second edition of what season is it? Oh my God, this is August. <laughs> Halfway through August, and we're starting our summer exactly. Reading. Well, that's when I usually started yes. my summer reading when I was a kid. So, Rhiannon, do you want to talk a little bit about what we're kind of hoping to do here? Okay, so the guys have been saying for like two years now that I need to read Captain Marvel. So, in an effort to make sure this actually happens, we are doing when we don't have TV shows to review, which we have a big I mean, you guys, there's so little coming out between now and January. So, uh, one week when I was not on the podcast, the guys picked a run, and we're going to read that run, and just like school, I'm going to panic and do it all at the last minute. 
and then we will discuss on the podcast as if it's a TV show that we just watched. And But we're going to make the assignment ahead of time so all of you cannot do your summer reading with me. Um, we're setting up a Facebook group to discuss so that, like, you know, we can maybe have discussions. I don't know. I mean, you know, guys, like, I, I know all these women that belong in book clubs and they're really just an excuse to sit around and drink wine and they never actually discuss the books. So I don't know where the wine comes into this, but we're going to meet on Facebook and we're going to discuss and we're actually going to do this so that some of us read the comics um, that hopefully goes along with some of the properties coming out soon so that we can have more educated discussions on them. And by we, I mean me, because you guys already have very educated discussions. Well, I think we purposely picked something, though, that I don't know. You know, like with Captain Marvel, it's the yeah. property I know least about other than Guardians of anything that Marvel's done. So, um, Adam, what's the uh, help people out with like the URL and stuff? What uh... URL is a um, book club dot marvelnewsdesk.com and that will take you to our marvel news desk reading group that we have set up um so join that and we can chit chat about some comic books yes and we have picked a run uh this has been very confusing i will try to make it as clear as possible uh we want to go to sort of the modern classic version of captain marvel so we are going to read a run by kelly sue DeConnick. Now, there are several runs that she has done. I will try to make this as clear as possible. Um, if you are looking for it on Marvel Unlimited, uh, we are looking for uh, what is the 2012 through 2013 run. It should be 17 issues long. Uh, for people who keep up with the volumes, as far as like the different volumes through the years, this is technically the seventh volume of Captain Marvel, the seventh time they put out a book called Captain Marvel. Um, uh, it's also the very first, excuse me, very first of the Kelly Sue DeConnick's um, work on Captain Marvel. If you want to get it in trade paperback, um, these are going to be the volumes entitled In Pursuit of Flight, Down... And the enemy within. Uh, In Pursuit of Flight has ISBN 0785165495. Uh, Down has ISBN 0785165509. And uh, Enemy Within is actually. Um, oh, that is actually an uh, Avengers trade paperback that has that. That is 0785184031. So easiest way to do it is Marvel Unlimited. If you guys haven't done that before, try it out for a month. It's super easy. But this is the run that ran from July twelve, uh, July of two thousand twelve to November of two thousand thirteen. And we'll put and there's Amazon links. There's a there's a link that we're doing. So like if you read on Comicsology, those links will take you to the right place. Yes, and um, I think we could also um, we can also put a link to uh, a Marvel wiki that will show you the covers of each of the issues if that helps as well so can we talk about how hard it is to specify a run this is one of the things like when i first started reading comics a few years ago and part of the reasons that my friend and i started super lateies back when we did like people would be like oh go read the kelly pseudoconic run of yeah and you guys didn't even like give me that you guys gave me initials like <laughs> you know the ksd run and i'm like 
okay, or Katie, yeah. And it is so hard to figure out what people are talking about. I mean, even for us, just saying, you know, I thought it would be easy, just like the 2012 run. But no, there's so many other ways to define it. Like, comics, stop being so hard. I mentioned to Adam last week, they've been doing these comics to launch this new Marvel Rising cartoon show that we've been buying for our girls. It's stupid. There's been like five of them, and they're like, Marvel Rising Alpha, number one. Marvel Rising, number zero. Marvel Rising Miss Marvel and Squirrel Girl, number one. Marvel Rising Squirrel Girl and Miss Marvel, number one. It's literally the same title with the two names flipped. Like... It's impossible. I'm into comics and I could not keep this stuff straight. They're like handing out bookmarks that have pictures of all the covers. So you make sure you find them all. Why do they make this so hard? Oh my God. I would say this is where you should go to a local comic book shop and make a friend. If you can find a local shop that has a friendly person, it's great to go. Listen, I really want to read this, but I don't know what I'm looking for. Can you find me the beginning of Sally Kelly Sue DeConnick's work? And they'll go, oh, yeah, they're talking about this one. And they'll pull them off the shelf for you. You make a new friend and they help you navigate. That is the beauty of the local comic shop. So, I, I should say, while taking Caleb's advice is good, I just wanted to add a disclaimer. Probably don't make friends with the people in the comic shops that are part of the group that secured money to refilm The Last Jedi. <laughs> but, it, but outside of them, I mean, everyone else... At the comic shop should be fine. Oh. Generally, I find that if there is a woman who's working at the comic book shop, they're almost always a lovely person. Like, to work in that environment and put up with women and comic shop have to put up with, they almost are always lovely. (laughs) And I have to say, I've been in a lot of comic shops, like, in the past couple of years, just because it was, like, this new territory and I wanted to see what they were like. I didn't, I mean, like, my first one was so incredibly friendly. They were just as likely to recommend My Little Pony to you as, like, Captain Marvel or Daredevil or whatever. And then, like, traveling and going to places where I'm like, I'd like something new. And they're like, uh, here's a Darth Vader comic. And I'm like, I, I, I don't Star Wars. <laughs> I'm like, I, and they're like, I don't know. Get out like, of my shop. Really, like, like, I don't Star Wars and you can't recommend anything else to me? Like, if I had walked into one of those places first, who knows? Who knows yeah. where I'd be now? Yeah. Um, have we picked a, a date for this? Uh, I was thinking maybe uh, we try to do this for the, the episode that drops on Labor Day. Does that sound good? Okay. Like, are we going to... Yeah, that's another good thing. Are we, like, doing a run a month? Or, like, what's... Or is this just the one-time thing? I guess I don't know what we're doing. I think we're going to try it once, and then we're going to see how desperate we are for content. And then yeah. if, it, if it works out okay, then we'll use it to fill in the empty spots <laughs> in our soul. <laughs> and if anybody wants to read with us. I mean, if this is like a Facebook group and we have like three members, screw you guys. <laughs> Nothing says please participate quite like screw you guys. Because, like, if we've, we've, we've been tossing around the idea of having a meetup at New York yeah, Comic Con. Yeah. And I'm like, but what if, like, we planned something and nobody showed up? I've actually already started talking to, like, some of my friends. Like, hey, if I did a meetup, you want to just come hang out in case nobody shows up? <laughs> it's like stacking your birthday party so that you make sure you're not the only one there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
hey mom will you swing by and uh, like take <laughs> take pictures like will you pose as the paparazzi just quick oh, it's even worse it's like my coworkers. <laughs> like you guys you know this hobby i have you can see how lame it really is i'll even give you a free sandwich or like five bucks i mean whatever you want or yeah all right, so yeah, we're going to try, and I would say, we haven't talked about this, if there's somebody who's really into this and we have good conversations, we might even invite them on to talk about it on the pod, maybe. Who knows? You can have my spot for 20 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we love you too, Adam. This could be a, a new alternative to, uh, to, to do it, selling ads. Every week, the highest bidder gets to pick one of us to kick off the show. Yes. <laughs> You know, whoever, whatever his name would be, would be like, give you a hundred bucks to get Mr. Mumbles off this. Exactly. Week. And I'll be like, fine, whatever. <laughs> Perfectly fine with me. Uh, this is going to be my favorite episode of the show ever. <laughs> I'm just in a goofy mood tonight. All right. Um, <laughs> it feels really wrong to talk about this now. We're going to talk about James Gunn. We haven't really. <laughs> The night that we're stuck with the giggles, we're going to talk about James Gunn. Let's talk about the way society is slowly devolving. <laughs> um, so we've talked about some on this show, but we tried to be a little cautious. We were kind of waiting to feel like we felt comfortable with everything shaking out. Uh, there's obviously been news this week. Um, Dave Batista is continuing to be pretty upset about things. Um, he has suggested that he will do a Guardians 3 without James as the director, but he's not going to be happy about it, um, and that he will not do it at all if they do not use the script from James Gunn. Um, there were some tweets this morning saying that they weren't going to use the James Gunn uh, script, which then were immediately debunked by, I believe, The Hollywood Reporter, who said they are using his script. Uh, there's also been talk that part of what's going on right now is that Disney and Gunn are in conversations, uh, potentially negotiating his exit, or frankly, maybe negotiating him to stay on. They do believe that if he is to leave the picture, that he will get a 7 to $10 million payout um, in order to continue to use his script but remove him from the director's chair. Um it does seem that THR had some belief from a couple sources that there's an openness to potentially returning gun that a week or so ago we had heard was not there. Um, there's a lot of places to start here. I mean, now that we processed a bit, where do you guys kind of sit on all of this stuff? I think generally, what do you hope is the future for uh, gun and, and uh, this property? I, th I think the thing about it now is that we have all of our th thoughts on Guardians 3 have been very, um, I mean, let's face it, like, Gunn, we were thinking was Feige's right-hand man in some way, like the leader of the cosmic universe taking care of all of the space stuff. Um, so I hope we do get to see some of what his vision was. But it also now could go in a completely different direction. And I don't know if that's better or worse. It's just, I don't know, to me it opens up far more speculation. And what opens up the most speculation is no one's making a statement about it whatsoever. Iger didn't come within close to even sorts of addressing it yesterday. Uh, 
Kev hasn't said anything. Obviously, Gunn's not going to say anything because his lawyers are probably telling him to keep his mouth shut so he gets money, and in turn, they get 20%. You know, it's just, as time's progressed, I, I've slowly gone from, all right, he probably should have been fired to the new report today where THR says that James Gunn could very well direct another Marvel property thinking, what the hell? It doesn't make sense to even fire him if you're going to give him a directing job in two years. Why don't you just take Guardians 3 and postpone the damn movie two years so he can direct it? You know, I guess that that's the biggest thing for me at this point. You know, we go, and this isn't done yet. That That's the thing. This is... Unless something happens tomorrow, whatever. It, I mean, this is probably something that's we're going to get a report after a report after a report, and they're everyone's trying to battle each other for the scoops and the scoopage. I, like you said today, we this morning it went around because of a tweet from the dude who said Hugh Jackman's playing Scar um, that said that they're dropping. They're they're dropping gun script and then the Hollywood reporter came out and said no they're not dropping gun script so I I mean if they're not distancing themselves distancing themselves from gun enough to drop his script I mean and that's kind of what you told, said before Caleb you know the the directors do the press tour you know unless you're Marcus and McFeely you don't really do much on the press circuit and things like that so I I understand that, but it's just that last, the last paragraph, which to me is the lead of the whole report that THR released that says, oh, our sources say that gun could come back and direct another Marvel property, which to me it doesn't make If they keep his Guardians 3 script and if he directs Novacore in 2022, just push Guardians 2 back. I mean, bump Doctor Strange 2 up. Throw Black Panther 2 in there. Throw Black Widow. Spider-Man 3. Fill the properties between the two years. I mean, I would much rather see a gun-directed volume 3 two years later than than something else, you know? At least that's my initial thoughts on the reports that surfaced earlier today. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've kind of boomeranged back and forth a little bit. Um the day he was fired, it actually happened while I was in a screening of Transylvania 3 with my kids, you know? And so, like, this, the, the credits were going through the movie, and we were kind of getting them put together. And I pulled out my phone, and obviously it had blown up with, like, notices from you guys. And I was like, whoa, what happened? And I read the article. And, and honestly, for me, just, like, my emotional reaction. And I'm not saying that this is the most cognitive thing. It's just how I processed it. When I saw the quotes about, um, frankly, about kids and about, you know, sort of the abuse of kids, even in a joking context. And I don't I don't believe Gunn has done those things. I don't know him, so I don't know. But like, I do think they were jokes. But like, as I read them and I looked at my kids, like my emotional reaction that day was, yeah, this guy needs to get fired. What a jerk. You know, like that was just. I don't know. It, maybe it's lame, but as a dad, like that is how I kind of processed it. Um, I think the thing that's changed my mind a little bit is, and not enough that I'm like signing petitions or anything, but 
the idea that guardians are movies about redemption. I am a person that believes that, um, we've created this like honor, shame, lynching system in the Twitter world where somebody does something wrong and we want them to die and never work again. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like even bad people are still people. And I'm not sure that James Gunn is even a bad guy. And so I really, I have become sympathetic to the idea that this movie could be an incredible testament to the fact that people make mistakes and maybe come back. And I think that could even sneak its way into the dialogue. It could sneak its way into the movie. And there could be this incredible feeling when it comes out of just like, get to your feet and stand. Like it's a movie that says second chances are possible. And they're possible for James Gunn. They're possible for the Guardians of the Galaxy. And they're possible for you too. And I don't know. I'm getting kind of nerdy and emotional. All this, but like, I think that's that's the way that Disney could make this really triumphant and actually make money out of this entire like, you know, cluster of stupidity. <laughs> I. That's the thing. I mean, if if Gunn directed volume three after all this there's there's no way volume three isn't the most commercially successful guardians flick you know you would think if they bring him back his fans are going to go see that movie a lot more times you know they're going to go to the the theater if i don't know and i agree perfectly with what you said it's it's about the redemption you know that's that's what that's what the franchise is about and even the thought of someone else coming in and kind of helping that it just doesn't feel right, you know? I mean, they have... James Gunn got us attached to a tree and a raccoon. I mean, come on. I, and then there was another report earlier this week that I think it was Variety or THR said that they're going outside the inner circle to get a new director in. I mean, the names they threw around that... Marvel wasn't looking at Favreau or Waititi, and then that just that chapped my butt. Even then, you know, it was just on the surface. I mean, Taika's the guy for the Guardians. If it's anyone in the entire universe I can think of that could at least do kind of sort of what James Gunn did, it would be him. But if they're not looking at him, or quite frankly, anyone that's done a Marvel movie before, it's like. I don't know. With, with the whole theme going on, and James Gunn always goes to Facebook Live and says, the the character I identify most with is Rocket. And, of course, Rocket's pretty much kind of that assholes that's starting to warm up. You know, and it, it it's a bummer, man. It's a, it's a bummer that he's not going to be able to wrap up the story how he wanted to. And he, he'd be able to do that for the writing, but... It's all how the director interprets it and and directs it. You know, it's not going to feel right. You know, like I've had I've had thoughts on the whole subject because like I wasn't able to dig in when it first came out. You know, like you guys were able to pour over every little bit. I was like sitting in the middle of Comic-Con where obviously like there was some discussion of it, but I couldn't. I couldn't like read through the tweets and everything. And when I just very quickly looked at it, cause I remembered seeing you one, <clears throat> I remembered seeing like, I couldn't follow everything that was going on, but I could follow our internal discussions between you and Adam. And I like, I was like, I seriously was worried that the subject would <laughs> co- 
cause an irreparable rift <laughs> in, like, the friendship between the three. I mean, I'm yeah. serious, you guys. Like, I thought, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I think the Russians did yes. this because they wanted to split <laughs> yes. up the nerds. They wanted to destroy Marvel News Desk. <laughs> Russia the country has. wasn't like, enough. They've already gone through, and they've, like, ruined our political... Yeah. They've ruined our political world, and now they just want to split up the nerds. Like, I don't even want to take a side in this. I don't want, like, strong feeling, you know... Um, because I don't want the terrorists to win. <laughs> and by the way, I, I blame everything on the Russians ever now. Like, um, in this case, you might not be far off. But <laughs> yeah. it's actually but probably it true. That's the thing. <laughs> like, I get to the office this morning, my key card doesn't work, and I'm like, oh my god, the Russians. Um, but that's a whole other subject. <laughs> but I mean, that's. Yeah, and so I finally, you know, when I finally had a chance to, like, look at the tweets, because I remember, like, very early on, like, I think, Caleb, you had a point of, like, when, you know, when somebody you don't like tries to brush something off as it's just a joke, it's unforgivable. You know, there are some things that are never jokes. And then when it, so when I went through the tweets, they were some of those, you know, like, change a word, ruin a movie. And I'm like, well, when your tweet has a hashtag on it that's specifically to joke about something, then, I mean, like, to me, that's that's specifically a joke, you know? And, and like, when I read through a lot of them, I was like, these are, like, very obviously, you know, none of them appear to just be him, like, saying out of the blue some sort of derogatory comment about stuff that made me uncomfortable um they were just really really bad jokes um so like you know so basically like i heard all of the hype and i heard a lot of the conversations and i saw a lot of the reactions from it before i saw what caused it and when i looked at what caused it i i was underwhelmed like i had expected something far far bigger um <clears throat> So, it all worries me, and I agree with you, the court of public opinion scares the crap out of me these days. I, I, of all of the things I'm willing to put on the internet, and I probably put more than, you know, um, I think between the three of us, like, I'm in the middle. I don't, I don't, like, cause as many fires. As <laughs> How would I know? I was the fireman. I knew that. I'm like they're gonna throw me under the bus. That's me. No, no. I've gotten better um, on Facebook. You have to admit, I don't post much on Facebook anymore. I miss all your Facebook drama friends. I, I blocked them all. Got to the point. I'm like, yeah. Come on. Yeah, I blocked. I think he maybe blocked me. I don't know. But we're no longer friends. I'll probably bleep that out just for for his sake. <laughs> just in case he listens. Just in case they listen. Wink, wink. <laughs> yes yes oh my god the russians are listening <laughs> um i'm gonna go look at our podcast statistics how many russians download our podcast um anyways i don't remember where i was going with that like it it I, at the court of, uh, the court of public opinion very much scares me and i try to be conscious of that no matter where you know no matter how much i want the person to die in flames in public opinion um, 
I, I think... I think this has also been a concern. Something about the whole Me Too movement from the very beginning has bothered me because it has increased that court of public opinion. It has sort of given justification to, you know, guilty until proven innocent in a lot of ways. And it's a hard line to walk. I mean, if there's, and, and that's why, like, when we were talking about it, and, and that's why, like, when we were talking about, when we were looking at the first week of this podcast, I was like, I want to wait. I want to wait and see, because it is totally unimaginable to me that Marvel, or that Marvel got rid of him over a few tweets from long ago. And there isn't something new about to break. And I'm telling you guys, like, I, I still wouldn't be surprised if, like, by the time this podcast dropped, you know, if something was released, you know, that there was an accusation, that there was something more. And I'm not hoping for it. Like, I want this to be, you know, I, I do not want James Gunn to be further damaged in the court of public opinion. And we wouldn't want there to actually but, be a real victim either. Because thus far, it was a relatively yeah. victimless thing that he has done. Right, yeah. I'm not hoping for a real victim. You know, I'm not hoping for anything like that. But I would... I, I am just shocked that that hasn't been... I guess that's, that that hasn't been what's, what's happened next. It, it's... I'm truly shocked that if this happened, it was truly over just a few people raising, you know, showing screenshots of some tweets that have been deleted long ago. Um, there's a lot to it that just really bothers me. I think that if we're being, you know, I, I said at the time, I still think this is the case. I, I think Disney is more sensitive on the kids thing because they run theme parks and children's education, you know, uh, entertainment. I think that's a piece, but I, you know, we can't, and we don't like to go too much into this stuff. This, um, this is not s the Roseanne thing had something to do with this, right? Oh, absolutely. I think that they were very concerned that they looked even handed and I can appreciate that in as much as, as this came out and, and this is where I think it got tense in our conversations. I do want to see consistency. Because sometimes I do feel, particularly in the social media world, if I don't like your politics and you do something like this, it's an unforgivable sin that you should be out of media forever. And if I do like your politics and you do it, it's just jokes, get over it. And so, like, I appreciate a desire to be consistent, even though I don't know if it really, I, I don't want to, I do think it's apples and oranges what happened with Roseanne and James Gunn. I'm just saying I can appreciate that Disney wants to not be seen as picking sides in the political argument. Mm. Absolutely. And I mean, the thing is, if James Gunn did not use his platform to, you know, talk politics and all that stuff, he'd still be employed there. There's no question about it. if he didn't use his platform to, uh, I almost said spew, but I do the same thing. But do his, I don't want to say anti-Trump, but if he uses, if he does not use his platform for, for politics, he, he doesn't get fired. That's the thing. 
this stuff has come up before. I mean, obviously, we've argued till we're blue in the face. At least I have, whether or not Disney knew about it. But Disney knew about a blog post he made with comments that were very similar. Um, and he apologized for that on the press tour of Guardians 1. So it's we've got now gone on six years, and it's kind of went by the wayside until someone dug that stuff up. You know, it's all, I mean... I, I truly believe if Gunn didn't talk politics, he, he'd still have his job, and, and it comes back to the court of public opinion. I, I do think it's interesting, Adam, to come back to something you said, uh, and this is where I think you and I probably disagree. I find that tweeting something about politics is completely useless. Like, it's just sending out angry thoughts into a world where everybody's already made their mind up. And so, like, there's a little bit of me, and this is my particular makeup, and not everybody has to agree with me, that is ticked at James Gunn. It's like, okay, you poked the bear, you proved your point, you got all engaged in this politics stuff, you probably changed approximately 0.0 minds, oh, and now you got yourself fired. Like, I'm all for, if you want to go volunteer for candidates, if you want to go knock on people's doors, if you want to, like, give out food at a food kitchen if you want to like tutor inner city kids do all that kind of stuff but if you think that twitter is the way you're going to politically change the world all you're doing is begging to get fired and i'd still get you making a good movie if you just shut your mouth about this stuff and i know that a lot of celebrities and athletes don't like to hear that and i'm not saying he doesn't have a right to have an opinion I'm just so not convinced of the value of sharing your opinion on social media that I just selfishly wish that he'd shut up and just kept making his movies, you know? Caleb just kind of had his own version of shut up and dribble. I did not say that or anything close to that <laughs> for the record. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'll, dis- Send your hate I'll mail disagree too. with you on that. I mean, it, it's a cause. It's a politics are a cause and guns not running for public office or you know as a public servant or anything so i mean it's no different than using his platform to promote some sort of medical foundation or or something of that nature it just happens so happens that politics are the most volatile it's you know it's ever been and probably mostly because of twitter coincidentally enough yeah well and i have to say i mean caleb i feel so maybe nobody has changed. I mean, like, you may not. So, like, me going on Twitter, I don't know that I've ever changed my opinion on something politically because of something people tweeted out. But following like-minded people on Twitter, I do find, like, oh, you know, okay. I mean, even, you know... Even, like, these subjects, I mean, we've probably talked about, like, three subjects tonight on this podcast where I wasn't entirely sure why I felt what I felt. And then I saw convincing, you know, folks on Twitter that laid out some stuff and said, you know, okay, the reason you might be feeling this way is this. Or, you know, here's this. And then have you considered this? And have you considered this? And I'm like, oh, you know, like, what before was a gut feeling now I've seen some arguments that sort of explain why that's a legitimate feeling that can be backed up. And I, that's why I do enjoy some or, you know, why I maybe fell into the Twitter hole of politics and don't hate it. Um, and I felt like Gunn 
you know, I admire some of these guys. You know, I feel like Steven Denight is on the same path as Gunn. He just doesn't have as many people that follow him that are willing to be out there and like, no, I'm not going to shut up about this. I want to speak about it. You know, and I mean, like, Denight, I don't know if any of you guys follow Steven Denight. He was the showrunner on Daredevil season one. Like, he will outright, I mean, they're trolls. Like, he will take trolls and, like, be responding to them and saying things. And it's a total lost cause. But I, I think there's value in the fact that some conversations still happen. I mean, maybe not to you, you know, and... I've finally reached the point where maybe it's too much, but, but it has, if not changed an opinion, helped formulate one. Yeah. And some of this is I become very cynical about this in part because of the algorithms where they create echo chambers for us, you know, where like they only show us tweets that we agree yes. with. And so like, um, I mean, my just personal bet on the universe is like, be intensely local and intensely relationship. Like the best way to change the world is to have a deep relationship with five people who live on your block, not like tweet something out to thousands of people. And that's just kind of my, you know, worldview. And it's, I'm not trying to say that I disagree with, with other folks, you know, are you a fan of killer Mike? Cause killer Mike always kind of one half of run the jewels. He always does the local. I think he's running for mayor or was doing something, but he, that's his, his whole spiel is to change locally is how you're going to make the biggest change. Yeah, man, that's me. Good luck um, changing Northwest. I also Iowa. should. I got, I got an uphill <laughs> battle in front of me guys. Dude, I live in Midtown Manhattan. Fisk could be on my block. I don't know. <laughs> Are you trying to change the job? Um, Michael T. Ford did, and I thought this was really helpful. Um, he was suggesting that he does kind of feel like we've reached a balance, though. We've talked about sort of how do we deal with guilty, you know, innocent before proven guilty or guilty before being proven innocent. And he says he feels like Hollywood's found an OK balance in sort of the mile, the certainly um, in a lot of TV stuff where it's like, we're going to suspend you. We're going to do an investigation and then we're going to make a decision because it immediately says we find we're going to take this potential victim or I mean, potential victim is not the right word, but this person who says they've been a victim of what you've done, we're going to take them seriously. We're not going to ignore them and we're going to suspend you. But at the same time, we're not going to make a final decision until uh, until we've looked into it. And he felt like that was kind of a good balance. And I, I'd agree with him. I mean, him and I are going back and forth a little bit right now. It would have been, I think it would have been so much easier if Disney would have said, we are putting Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 on indefinite hold, and we are suspending our relationship with James Gunn until we can further investigate this matter. And then they could have come back six months later and been like, you know what, don't worry about it, we're going to make this. Because it seems like that's the way that Dan Harmon and all these other guys are, are kind of, I mean, Harmon hasn't even been suspended, but you know, like a lot of these people... It's kind of like we're gonna take a step back. We're gonna wait till the fervor dies down, and then we'll then we'll make a decision. I was gonna say, why couldn't Disney wait to fire him or wait for addition until after midterms? You know, we'll just blame it on the midterms. But uh, going back to uh, Michael T. Ford, I am going to admit, speaking of Twitter, he is probably a top five Twitter follow of mine. 
So you guys should follow him. I love everything he has to say. And that's not just because he watches us live all the time. And I'm pretty sure gives us money. (laughs) (laughs) He's just a nice, very level-headed. Well, no. If he's watching us live because of the way Patreon works, then yes, he does does give us money for sure. So actually, this has been a paid advertisement. (laughs) Indirectly. Um, Let's talk about Dave Batista just a little bit before we move on from this. Because Dave's made a lot of noise this week about what he will and will not do. Do you think he's helping? Do you think he's hurting? Do you think it doesn't matter? Do you think Disney is going to be interested in cutting ties with him at some point? Kind of how do you handle what Dave's been doing? That's what I'm saying. We don't know what conversations went on behind the scenes. We don't know what shoes are left to drop. We don't know everything that's out there. I I think it's really dangerous what Dave is doing. So I admire it. I mean, if he's truly defending a friend that is an innocent man, I think it's admirable. Yeah, but I I mean, while it's dangerous with him and his contract or obligations with Disney, I don't think I mean, he's not one of the Guardians characters that would risk their career doing something like this. I mean, if Disney cans him and and he can't get another acting gig, which he I'm sure The Rock will take him on Skyscraper 2 or something. You know, I he can fall back on WWE and he'll be a wildly superstar, w, you know, wildly huge WWE superstar. I mean, if something like Sean Gunn or like a Palm Clementief was doing this kind of stuff, I mean, yeah, I could see that's where it would damage their career. I mean, if a guy like Chris Pratt or somebody like Zoe Saldana or like Bradley Cooper or Vin Diesel came out, and said this kind of stuff. I mean, it's not like it's going to ruin their career. Do we think Sean Gunn shows up? I mean, this has got to be so awkward for him. That's the thing. I, I'm surprised he signed that statement they did. I, I thought it was interesting that he was on that. So I, I Craiglin doesn't really need to show up. He's kind of a nothing burger in the first two movies anyways. Well, but remember, he also... He's... I mean, he's due on set for uh, reshoots for Avengers 4 any day now. Awkward. He's, he's rocking in real life. Well, if he doesn't go, I mean, Terry Notary provides motion capture for 50 other people in the MCU, so we'll just have Terry do it. I would guess James is absolutely furious with this, but hes uh, he can't say anything. I mean, I would shut my mouth up for $10 million. About well, shut my mouth up about this for ten million dollars. You know, <laughs> in, in this situation, you know. So, if you want to stop listening to us talk about it on the podcast, just wire ten million dollars to. Uh, I Adam mean, ten Barnhart minutes ago, I and... said I'd leave the podcast for twenty bucks. So, <laughs> <laughs> somewhere in between is probably your real value. <sighs> I don't know why that was really funny, and <laughs> after it took me a minute to get it. Yeah, he's yeah, somewhere yeah. somewhere above twenty and somewhere below ten million. <laughs> I guess my question would be: What I mean, what do you guys actually think is going to happen with Guardians Three? Obviously, it's pretty clear that they're not. It's not making its twenty twenty release date, right? I mean, I think they could be pushing and thinking they can you know pull somebody in make it happen i mean and in hollywood you could have somebody you could have somebody really awesome that have that has a project 
so much of it is about scheduling. So finding a really good director that has an open spot in their schedule right now, you know, your, your, your big guys, like YTT even probably isn't doing it because he's probably in pre-production on something else, whatever he's working on right now and can't move that schedule. But for every person like that, there's somebody that's in pre-production for something that's maybe owned by Fox and suddenly they're not making it and they have an open spot in their schedule and it can be wonderful. But from day one, I think a lot of people are going to be looking for this to fail. I think no matter what they come up with, we're going to be looking at, we're going to be comparing it to what we think Gunn would have done. And I think that's, it's going to take a whole lot to overcome that expectation. I think it's also really easy for us because of who we are and what we think about the world for the three of us to go like, oh, if they bought gun back, it wouldn't affect the box office. It would be a positive. Um, you know, you made a joke earlier about the people trying to get the last Jedi reshot. I'm assuming most of those people would also boycott a James Gunn guardian of the galaxy volume three. Uh, and so, um, I think there is some risk to Disney there. Uh, I'm really interested. I mean, this started as a crazy theory, but, um, I'm starting to think it more and more. If we start to hear that they do gear up Dr. Strange two for that May 2020 release to me, that is the most sensible way out of this. You've got Scott Derrickson already spooling up for it. You just accelerated a little bit. You bring in that. And then assuming that was going to be the November 2020 slot, you just push guardians back six months. And they've done that before. Dr. Strange, the first Dr. Strange got pushed back six months so that Benedict Gumberbatch could get off Broadway or whatever. So, um, to me, that's, that's a way out of this potentially, um, we should note that there was a Reddit post of questionable validity of someone who claims that they're on a, um, a set building squad down in Atlanta who said that they've been working on some pre-production stuff for guardians and suddenly that got halted. Um, I don't know if we believe that or not, but it's, it's just another piece of data that came across our desks that feel like the guy's taking a real risk of getting fired if he's sharing that kind of info but yeah you know if you know who's a super safe director that would be available if they push guardians back like even six months to a year super safe who's doing something for disney right now that's probably the most i don't want to say the most safe but he, he'd be a super 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 safe pick ron howard okay ron's a good choice i was gonna say jj abrams Oh, okay. <laughs> no, that'll that'll be too much of a conflict. I mean, JJ has his own production studio. Is he really? Is he still working on Star Wars stuff? Oh, I. When I said I don't yeah, Star Wars, like yeah, I don't Star Wars. Yeah, he did. He's doing what? Episode Nine, which just started filming. <laughs> he this doesn't week. Star Wars. Yeah, but that's gonna wrap in like March or April, I think or maybe a little sooner and then it'll be post-production and editing. Then it'll be a tour. There's no way that he'll be able to film. Well, not for a 2020 release date. Right, 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 right. Yeah. 
I agree with Adam that like, or, or the sentiment that like, I think the safest thing right now is take Guardians, put it on a shelf, wait. I mean, most of your everyday people don't know that there's even a Guardians 3 planned. You know, your everyday theater goers don't know the grand, you know, you know, we're here and in our heads, there's a Black Widow movie, there's Spider-Man, there's the, the Doctor Strange 2, there's surely, even though it has been announced, a Black Panther 43. It's, it's, but your everyday person doesn't know that. And if they put it on the shelf, it'll be something that three, four, five years down the road, it would be easier if somebody else takes it over for them to make it truly their vision. Or the controversy will have passed and Gunn could return and it not be such a big deal. And I think that Infinity War and Avengers 4 buys you so much time. Because the Guardians are in it enough. The average fan, if anything, a 2020 release to it, they're like, didn't I just see Groot in two movies over the last two years? Whereas here they can go all right, let's push it back to 2022 and it'll still be three years between seeing Groot on a big screen. And I think that the average fan won't, won't go, well, that was an Avengers branded movie. I've been waiting for Guardian. You know, like I think they'll be okay with it. Definitely. All right. Um, our mailbag. Uh, I wanted to give a real quick shout out to uh, Cooper over at screen rant. He apparently listens to the show every week. So he had mentioned our, um, mentioned a theory we had had last week and uh, was saying that he listens to the show every week. So Cooper hood, it was, it's great for you to listen to us. I know. I think Rhiannon worked with you over at MCU exchange back in the day. I did not, but Oh, that was before your time. Yeah. Yeah. I just had my two year. Well, it's not really anniversary since I'm not doing it anymore, but I started with MCU exchange exactly two years ago. I started just before daredevil season two. Caleb, you and I joined, uh, we were in the same MCUX class, weren't we? Yeah. Something like that. Do we have classes? Yeah. Kind of. It was me, you, and the uh, guy that spoiled Luke Cage for you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah. I told him it wasn't a big deal. I shouldn't probably talk about it on the podcast. It, I mean, it wasn't. It was, but it wasn't. But it was. But it wasn't. So, anyways. <laughs> Obviously, Caleb's totally over it. <laughs> so you think. Speak for yourself. Um, all right. Uh, let's go to the website. Uh, Love Waffle. Is that um, crying? <laughs> no, I got something. Yeah, you made me cry. You're crying over Luke Cage, season uh... one. Adam just remembered Cottonmouth dying and now he's crying. Now I'm getting all flustered. Uh, So Love Waffle had a lot of thoughts here about Cloak and Dagger. Um, He felt like um, uh, the show maybe uh, didn't quite exactly know where it was going. With all these comments, I always read these relatively quickly. I'm sorry if I butcher your comments a little bit. Um, But he was just saying that it felt like there was a little unevenness and he kind of felt like the finale didn't end as much as he'd like to. And he felt like there should be another episode this week to kind of keep the story going. Um, They also announce, oh, this is interesting. Um, They go back. He went back to look at some of the early press releases. um, And there was lots of characters that they had named in the early press releases that 
never were on the show. So there was like a Dr. Bernard Sanjo. Um, and he thinks that maybe that character became Delgado. It seems like O'Reilly was a late addition. Um, his dad, Tyrone's dad, had a different name in the original press release. This is kind of interesting stuff, just like going back, that Cloak and Dagger did quite a bit of change over the nearly two years they took to make that movie. Uh, and then Dave, we kind of messed up Dave's comment last week. We we're talking about Fox and Marvel, um, and he didn't mean to say that he thought the Fox label and MCU should be separate. He said, I meant that there's currently two studios with people and equipment and buildings, etc. So creating five MCU movies after the buyout will be possible. Feige will have twice the resources. All five movies would be in the MCU and overseen by Feige with crossovers. I just thought that renaming 20th Century Fox to Marvel Red Band or something would give them more options and allow them to use the new studio they brought to focus on adult-oriented movies. Um, I think that sounds interesting. The biggest problem with that is part of the reason Disney is doing this is so they can fire people and save money on redundancies. So... I don't think that Marvel is going to be able to double their capacity because I think they're going to fire a bunch of Fox people that work there now. But I, I may not have that right. That just seems to be what's going on. Um, in the live stream, uh, Michael T. Ford has been there the whole time. We've mentioned him a time or two. Um, uh, he, he did mention that another way to fill those 2020 slots would be to accelerate maybe uh, Deadpool 3. So uh, maybe move Deadpool 3 into one of those 2020 uh, Marvel slots currently uh, or get that Fantastic Four movie moving faster. Um, but he said it also helps that Guardians has not officially given a release date yet, so it's easier to move back that movie. Um, last thing we had, um, we did have that contest running for the Deadpool 2 uh, codes. It was kind of a frustrating experience. Rihanna, do you want to say a word or two about that before we go off? I'm sorry. Uh, so we got these codes. We didn't know they were coming, so we didn't set up any sort of contest until recently. And we thought it was, I mean, it was for Deadpool 2, which came out August 7th. Um, when we started alerting the winners, they uh, immediately, almost immediately, some of you guys got back with us and said that the codes weren't working. Turns out they actually had an expiration date. Uh, that I missed because it's in very, very tiny print at the bottom. We're incredibly sorry. I, we're still trying to sort of figure out how we're going to make it up to you guys or if we can make it up to you guys or uh, what. You know, like I have a little bit of swag from Comic-Con, but nothing Deadpool related because I was like, oh, we could send, you know, like I have a cloak and dagger pin. But if you entered for Deadpool, you may not be into Cloak and Dagger. Um, but anyways, we totally did not mean to do any sort of bait and switch with that. It, I have actually reached out to Voodoo in case they could provide us new codes or, you know, any sort of corrections and uh, got a little bit of silence there. Uh, still hoping that maybe something comes through for you guys. Just wanted to apologize. And it was hard for us because Adam checked out the code to make sure it worked right before we started the contest. And it did. And then we did the contest and it didn't. And we were, when you guys sent us that stuff, we were like, crap, what happened? Like we were just as confused and frustrated as you were. So. Our uh, contest system was actually hacked by Russian bots. Yes. 
That's correct. We'll edit that all that out, and we'll just blame the Russians. That is the official MND statement. But the Russians. The Russians. Vlad stole them all for himself. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You guys can interact with lots, interact with us lots of ways. Send us messages on Twitter at Marvel News Desk. You can also communicate with us via the MarvelNewsDesk.com posts each week. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to give us a dollar a month over at Patreon.com slash Marvel News Desk. You'll uh, get access to our special MCU film ranking episode uh, that's available only to Patreon sub- supporters, as well as early access to videos like The Road to Infinity War Supercut. Like us on Facebook and Facebook.com uh, slash Marvel News Desk or subscribe at the YouTube channel, which is watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. You can help the show be more visible to others if you leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Number one thing you do every week, however, is you listen and you tell your friends, and we're very thankful for that. Thanks to Jim, Tim Cox. Not Jim Cox. I don't know who Jim Cox is. Thanks to Tim Cox for our logo. You can find him on Instagram at Tim V. Cox. And thanks to Alvin for the theme music. You can find his music on a variety of social media platforms at The Skull School. All right. That does it. Thanks for listening. Start reading Captain Marvel, and we'll see you guys later.